Hello and welcome everyone to episode 44 of the Ducky O'Brien Show. I'm going to start with a thanks. Thank you for dropping by and listening. I really do appreciate it. Today's episode is going to cover more SBC Gaming news. These are articles that I pulled from the SBC Gaming subreddit or from YouTube channels covering handhelds. If you don't know, SBC is just single board computing and generally speaking, we're talking about retro handhelds when we're talking about SBC Gaming. In today's episode, we're going to cover rumors floating around Xbox and if they're going to exit the console business or if they're going to have a new console and have a handheld, kind of like the Steam Deck, a little bit about the RG556, and much more. I'm going to have all my sources linked in my YouTube video, so if you want the sources yourself and if you want to look more into these subjects, you can feel free to do that. Anyways, why don't we get into the episode? Alright fellas, I've been on that YouTube grind, and let me tell ya, I'm not getting enough sleep. Alright, we have a lot of news to go over for today. As always, I'm going to divide it into sections. I'm going to link all the sources so you can see it for yourself. We're going to start with new hardware, slash new software, whatever new. And then we're going into bugs, fixes, updates. And then we'll go into user creations and channel spotlight at the end. Oh, and buyer advice. Right after the new hardware. Alright, why don't we get into it? So, there's been some drama with Xbox. Oh my goodness, this is wild. But there are a lot of rumors coming out. One of the rumors that I've been hearing is that Xbox is leaving the console business and also bringing over their first party titles to Sony. And there were grown men who are probably a little bit older than me or same age. They had like gray beards. And they were almost crying. And I was like... I was like, anyways, there's another rumor that there will be a new Xbox on track for 2026 and that there will be a handheld version. Uh, There's some speculation that it might run like the same level of hardware as an Xbox Series S. So I think everyone's looking at Steam and they're like, wow, if you make a handheld that runs all the same games at lower specs and you keep the person in your ecosystem that it's it's worth to do it and now everyone's jumping on the handheld bandwagon anyways uh this was from user content beep and it was from the website alt char all right i'll give my take it's completely unfounded i'm just making stuff up but this is my line of thought I think Microsoft for the longest time has been wanting to exit out of the hardware business. They see the future. The future is all digital to them. Not only that, the future is all digital plus streaming. So I think in my opinion, Microsoft's new console is Game Pass. They want you to subscribe to their platform and then download the games and in the future stream it. And I think they're going to aim for streaming because with streaming, you have way more control over what the user does. If the user has to download the game, they still have the files and, and they can do whatever they want with it. But if you're streaming the game to them, they have way less control. So personally speaking, I'm an advocate of owning what you have so that no one can take it away from you. But it is very convenient to be able to download stuff and stream it. But we'll see where this goes. In my opinion... I don't think it really matters either way for Microsoft as long as they have Game Pass because they've been pushing Game Pass. So I think they're going to spend more time and effort trying to get people to subscribe to Game Pass somehow. 
Okay, uh, Russ from Retro Game Core has released his Retroid Pocket 4 slash Pro Starter Guide. It's pretty darn good. It's very beefy. It's over an hour long. And there's some stuff in there that's kind of new. Joey's Retro Handhelds went into it a little bit, but you can install Odin Tools and Obtainium on your Retroid Pocket 4 and it'll make it a lot better. And yeah, if you have the device, there are a lot of people who bought it. You can go check this guide out and get it set up. All right, this is from user Alternative Spite 11. So the RG556 is on sale now. The price is 175 plus shipping. And yeah, so there's a lot of speculation. And thankfully, there were some quick look videos. Now this is from poster Nari Nari. And this is the official unboxing video from Ambernick. That's why when I see uh, YouTubers as well, and it feels more like an ad than a review, it also kind of rubs me the wrong way, because at the end of the day, it's all about providing a service to the consumer so they can get the best product and make the best decision. And if you omit information, which I think is the same as lying, you harm the consumer. All right, moving on. This is from the YouTube channel Retro Handhelds, and they have a first look video at the RG556. I didn't know this channel existed. There's so many channels doing this stuff and it's cool to see what other people are doing. We also have Retro Game Core also made a video on the RG556. Essentially, it seems like it's sort of on par with the Retro Pocket 4, the non-pro edition. And at that price, I'm like, why not just get the 4 Pro at that point? Anyways, some minor takeaways. I'm not going to summarize the entire video so you can go watch it, but... Uh, his complaint was the plastic felt cheap. He bought two units and the screens were not identical. They they were slightly different. So we don't know what the QA, QC features like uh, <laughs> as always. But yeah, might be something to think about. All right, this is from user Butterbeans36532. We have new information about the iNeo Pocket S. This is from the website notebookcheck.net. And uh, yeah, if you scroll down here, it's going to run a Snapdragon G3X Gen 2 chipset, which is pretty darn good. 6-inch 2K screen. And for price estimations, we have information here uh, from Mexican Candy. It's around $220 for pre-orders, and that's just for the down payment. So it's going to be, you know, at the very least, $300. 50-ish, but it's probably going to be closer to 450, 500. Uh, I and Neo always charges more than you think, and I, they do this thing that I don't like, but they're like, it's going to be $300 for the first 50 people, and then it's going to go up to 350. So, yeah, I don't know. I think that's pretty cool, though. Um, the idea of having basically a phone, but just dedicated for gaming with physical controls, I think that's pretty neat. It looks sleek and portable and pretty powerful too so hopefully we'll get more information all right here we have a video about the uh, g22ch from retro game core i don't care about this computer itself but i saw something neat that i wanted to share uh, this is a pre-built tiny pc it's very expensive it starts at like 1200 dollars. the specs are pretty okay you know for pre-builds it's always going to be more expensive because the company has to hire people to build a pc ship it out they have to factor in returns, all of that. So it's always going to have an overhead. Anyways, it's for this app called DuoStream. 
Now, people are using moonshine, moonshine. <laughs> people are using moonlight and sunshine to stream games to their handheld consoles, and having great success. They're saying it works better than the built-in streaming service for Steam. Uh, but this was a little bit different in that it creates different seats. Essentially, two people could be using the same PC, but they have their own screen and their own keyboard inputs. So I thought that's really cool. If you have a beefy enough PC, you can use this app, and someone could be using the desktop, or multiple people could be streaming from it, and they each get their essentially own virtual PC, sort of. It's not virtual, it's separating the, uh, the inputs and the outputs for the display. So technology is amazing. <laughs> All right, this post is from Illigen. I hope that's right. I can't tell if it's an IRL. But this is about the Orange Pine Neo, and it is running Manjaro Linux. I don't know if it's Manjaro, Manjaro. I don't know. I, I can't talk properly. Anyways, if you go to the website, you can see that it's running the 7840U, which is a very powerful processor. And you can see the other specs. And, you know, it's a standard kind of premium build. You know, 512 gigabytes of storage, 2 terabytes, 50-watt-hour battery, pretty good. Uh, you know, Hall Effect sensors, 7-inch, you know, screen. It's a little bit more squarish than um, 1080p. So there are some people interested in their products, but, you know, I'm not hearing a lot of news. So we'll see when and if it comes out. Okay, now we're going to buyer advice. There was a lot of posts here. and kind of made my brain think. I gotta be honest, I'm broke and I want to review these handhelds, uh, but I was like, I, I don't know how to do it. And I was thinking of like seriously dumpster diving, <laughs> going to my best buy and diving in the dumpster. So I looked it up and it's illegal because uh, if the dumpster is on like a private lot, you you can't go into there, you know, legally. So, but if the dumpster is on public ground, it's fair game. Anyways, this is from user Eater Computer. And this guy found a Miu Mini Plus for $7 at the bin store. If you don't know, this is not available in all countries. This is something in the U.S., but it's not available in all cities. Essentially, all the returns from retailers like Amazon, it could be stores too like Target, Walmart, they get a massive bin and it's just unmarked and it's just products lying there and it's massively discounted. 99.99% is trash. So if you're thinking that you're going to get something good, you know, the chances are very low. It's just going to be super honest with you. But this guy gives you some advice to get the most out of it. So here's the bin store meta. Find a bin store. Step one. And then you got to figure out the schedule. So when the inventory comes in, that's when you want to go. And you want to go there as early as possible. He gives some really good advice. Uh, download the transparency app, the Amazon app, or a barcode scanning app. And then sometimes it's just boxed, so you can't see what's inside. And you have to use the app to scan it to see what it is. Uh, is this worth it? Probably not. But if you're broke and you have some time, but you have a little bit of cash, maybe, you know, it's a way to get something. Again, don't have high expectations. These bin stores are usually trash. But once in a while, you might find a good deal. Okay, this is the Retro Tech Dad, and he reviewed a product, the Lenovo ThinkSmart View. And it's a $40 tablet. Essentially, like, for video conferencing, you can use it for, like, a digital photo frame. But it can run PS1 games and N64 games pretty well. But the cool part 
is you can put it vertically and have a little mini arcade. So for 40-ish dollars, that's not a bad deal, you know, an emulation station plus arcade station. If you're like an arcade fan and you wanted a, you know, mini arcade setup, you know, it's so cheap. You might want to check it out. This kind of leads into like, if you can think outside the box, you can save a lot of money and get what you want. So, you know, it, it's a little bit difficult because, you know, when you're in this subreddit, when you're in, you know, the mindset of like, I need to get this device, I need this device. Reality is, um, there might be devices that are perfect for you that you just don't want to contemplate because it doesn't look cool or, you know, whatever it is. If you keep an open mind, you can find something that will suit you, that will not break the, break your wallet and be, you know, attainable, something you can get. All right, here I included this. This is a post from Mr. Mannard. Uh, thank you for posting this, by the way. This guy is saying that you can use a third-party Switch dock with the Retroid Pocket 4 Pro. So if you were wanting a dock and you have one for your Switch or a different device, you can check it out and see if it works for your, you know, Retroid Pocket 4 you don't have to buy another dock then okay so this is something that kind of you know i didn't really think about but they, they have their steam deck docked here and it's a pretty neat setup and it made me think you know there are some use cases that are not applicable to the average person so for me i'm just thinking like oh if you want to play it you're either playing it at home or you're playing it on the plane if you have a commute you're playing it on the train or the bus or like you put it in your pocket and you pull it out for like short 10-minute gaming sessions. There's some people that are doing some wild things where they need a specific device that doesn't really fit into what normal device would tell them to get, right? So I was like, wow. <laughs> I didn't even think about this sort of stuff. But yeah, it's kind of nice seeing other people set up. That You know, their setups are in, in some crazy places or situations. Or people just use things differently, you know? So I was like, wow. Well, that's kind of neat. That kind of fits into buyer advice in that, you know, if you don't like, you don't have to get what everyone else is getting and you don't have to use it the way everyone else is using. Okay. This is from user Rafa, Rafa 78. And the reason why I posted this was a lot of people seem to kind of stress too much about aspect ratio and resolution. And the reason why this chart doesn't really help is that you know, different systems may have different native aspect ratios. For example, the Super Nintendo's native aspect ratio is 8 by 7 and it's not 4 by 3 but the thing is, all the consoles that came out during the CRT era are going to output into a 4 by 3 resolution whether you like it or not. So, <laughs> the resolutions might be different too. The crazy thing is, the developers who are really paying attention they accounted for the pixel stretch because it's not a square pixel, it's a rectangular pixel and the result or the aspect ratio is also different. So then they made their graphics in such a way where when they output it onto a CRT, it gets stretched into the perfect image. And there's a lot of tests people do where they'll draw a circle and if it looks normal on the CRT, you know, they did a good job. So this guy... Roland47 uh, links some videos and I thought it was an interesting watch. This is from the YouTube channel Displaced Gamers and there's a lot of talk about how the technology actually works and what developers had to do. It's it's actually very fascinating and if you have some time to kill you can go into another rabbit hole. Uh, for me though, in my opinion, 
I don't think it makes sense to worry about this too much. Uh, the if you're a purist, you're already going to have a CRT, the original hardware, and either the original games are running on a very nice flash cart. So this this isn't going to apply to purists. But in terms of like where aspect ratio or resolution comes into play is if it's more squarish, then you're going to want like a squarish screen or a big enough, you know, wider screen. Or like, let's say you're playing a game that's more wider and you have a square screen, then you're going to have a lot of black bars, right? Reality though, uh, I don't think it matters too much, you know? You know, when I see people playing it, it's just, they just have fun with the game. So don't stress about it too much. I think the biggest thing to worry about is will will the screen be big enough for you, you know? (laughs) That's, That's pretty much it. Okay, now we're going into bugs, updates, and fixes. And we have a lot of news coming out about the Retroid Pocket 4 trigger buttons just breaking. So as I understand it, the cause of this is there's a little spring, and the spring is super weak, and it'll just snap. And so this is posted by user French Augmented 6. As you can see, that trigger is dead. We have a lot of people posting videos about how to fix it or their triggers breaking. Now, this was posted by Kevin Demo, and he made a YouTube video here about how to fix it. Uh, essentially, the fix is to buy the same trigger brings for the PlayStation controller, and then you can replace it in your Retro Pocket 4 Pro. Problem is, this is pretty difficult to do if you're not really tech savvy. You're going to want needle nose pliers and bend the spring down, and then you can install it. I saw a post where a guy went through like, I don't know, five five springs. It's not an easy fix for everyone. That said, if you do email Retroid, they should mail you a backplate with the triggers already installed. So if your triggers broke, fellas, don't worry. You should get that replaced. And if you're worried about fixing it yourself, uh, Retroid should make it easy by just mailing you an entire backplate with the triggers already installed on it. I said, if you're if your trigger's broke and you're at a loss at what to do, uh, if you have a controller available, uh, you can connect to the Retro Pocket 4 Pro using a controller and play. It's not ideal, but you can at least play your games. Anyways, <laughs> that said, there's this mad lad, Makakay. Hopefully, I said the name right. Sorry if I butcher your names, guys. Anyways, this mad lad took a pen spring and then shaved it into a trigger. Spring and I was like, "Wow, I didn't even think about that. That's so creative." Um, <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Okay, now this is uh, something that I wanted to do, but there, I'm going to tell you guys why I didn't. But you can sync your files, your save files, and your save states between the Miu Mini Plus and the Steam Deck or any device. There's ma- multiple ways to do it. But sync thing is what most people use. And there's a video if you want to set it up from virus text. Uh, I think this is the video that comes up for sync thing. Anyways, the reason why I don't connect my devices to the internet, to my home network, is I don't trust them. I haven't seen any security you know, specialist do analysis of the, the device connecting to the network and what it's doing exactly. Um, I'm afraid of the device you know, hijacking stuff, monitoring stuff. So I don't connect it to the internet at all. Uh, but if you don't worry about that, you're like YOLO, uh, here you can sync your save states. I do it the old-fashioned way by taking my SD card out, putting it on my PC, and copying the save states over. 
it is very convenient. So if you want to do that, y'all can go ahead. If you're paranoid about security like me, then it might be a consideration for you. I don't want to connect the device until, you know, someone can tell me how to check what's coming out from the device. Now, before people chime in and say every device is, you know, spying on you, Windows. Yeah, I know. And I'm going down a rabbit hole where I'm like, how do I reclaim my privacy? And I am considering installing Linux. I don't know which distro to use. You know, I heard Mint was pretty easy. I don't really use a lot. So I think most versions of Linux will work out. And I don't mind using a command prompt. I did a lot of coding back in the day, so it's not going to bother me too much. But yeah, I, I looked up stuff like uh, how do I get privacy on my phone and all of that. <laughs> and the general thing that I've come to is that you just got to get off the internet. <laughs> if you want to stay on the internet and maintain privacy, it's next to impossible. The amount of trouble you have to go through, like setting up your own DNS server, setting up your own email server, there's so much stuff you have to do and it's just like, it's not worth it for me. So I'm just like, maybe you just get off the internet period. <laughs> One of these days, that's why I love these emulation handhelds because you can get off the internet. You'll have all these good games and they'll play very well. So I'm rambling because I'm tired. There's something really cool. This is posted by user Water WaterJ. Wart? Wautert? I probably misread this i'm gonna watch this video later and be like oh the how you read it was so obvious how come i missed it anyways this was a cool video so this guy he emulated the game boy advance wireless adapter for emulation and there's a video of this guy playing i think pokemon on two mu mini pluses it's uh, david gillen fandos and uh, the article is pretty interesting too this guy seems to do a lot of work on emu emulators. Yeah, that's hardcore, man. Pretty soon you might see this feature integrated into Onion OS and be used on a lot of different consoles. All right, this is from user Norcus, And this is about a post enabling, you know, using both SD cards as ROM storage for the R33S, R35S, and R36S with ArcOS. So if that's something that interests you, you can go check it out. Here we have user ChuckTownRC51. And this is not something I thought about, nor <laughs> I care about, but this guy calibrated his ROG Ally screen with the Spider-X Pro. So if you don't know, the Spider is essentially a camera that observes the colors that are emitting from your monitor. And then you have software. So basically what it's doing is this should be red. And the camera checks that's the right shade of red, you know. It's it's essentially making sure that the color you see on the monitor is accurate. And so people who would want to use this are usually in the print business, like photography or editing movies. Because they want to make sure that their screen is accurate in terms of the color that's being displayed. It's very important. And uh, yeah, so apparently it makes a big difference. And they have the profile right here. I would think that the screens are a little bit different. So I'm not sure if using the profile would work on every device. But I think it might be worth checking out. But yeah, you know, like this guy said it. Yeah, man. Yeah, every screen is a little bit unique. So, you know, it's expensive. Maybe you can borrow a spider if that's something you're looking to do. But 
from my casual perspective, I don't think it's something that, you know, most people need to do unless the colors are extremely off and it's bothering you. And usually there's like some tweaks that people post on the forums. Okay, this last one from Axe Too Far. This guy was playing New Super Mario on the MiU Mini Plus using Drastic. I've been checking that out lately too. And you know what? Drastic is running okay. It's not perfect, but I'm surprised at the performance. There, there's a couple ways to fix it. You can delete the save file, which is not ideal, but this guy posted a solution that might help you. So this is from user Boo, and essentially you're pressing the menu plus select button as soon as Onion OS is booted, and it'll bring up the drastic menu, and you can restart the game from there, and then it might fix the problem. That's cool. I did hear some problems with drastic on the Mew Mini Plus and certain games where it's not loading or something happens so it's a little bit wonky okay finally we have user creations we have so many so many interesting stuff i know for most people watching this is probably going to be a little bit too much that's why i'm going to try to condense it into a few big news items and a few interesting ones but i i, I love reading through the subreddit and i love seeing what people are posting uh this is posted by user takia gecko and this guy is doing a Mew Mini Plus input lag test. So this guy actually soldered an LED. And then when you press the button, the LED lights up. And then using um, the phone's, you know, uh, slow-mo, choose 240 FPS. And then they're checking the, the latency from the button presses. And it actually made a graph here, which is pretty cool. So I think this is pretty neat. I think the takeaway though is that most devices, the latency is pretty high for the most part. You do get used to it um, in terms of playing high latency. I played Apex on Japan servers and I also played Overwatch 1 on, on Korean servers. And when you have that much lag, <laughs> it's not the same as this, but you know, it's just describing like high lag situations, high latency situations. Uh, it, it doesn't feel good, but you you do get used to it. So on the Mew Mini Plus that I've been playing, you know, I haven't been really noticing it because I'm not really paying too much attention. But yeah, for people who are sensitive, they might be bothered by it. I remember there's some posts about people complaining about the lag, their latency on the Odin 2 and the Retro Pocket 4. You might have a bad screen or you might just be super sensitive. Hey, we don't ha we don't see a lot of people doing latency tests, and this person did it, so I thought that was really cool. Okay, this is from user Cypherius, and they made a printable file for a grip for the 35s or the 36s. It's available here. I think that's amazing. I find it neat that these people are making these things and releasing it for free. I, I think that's so cool. I already know someone's gonna take this and, <laughs> and sell it on Etsy. Okay, anyways. This is from user It's Clay Toroki, and I thought this was also awesome. Uh, they have a 405M, and it was overheating. We're getting a little bit too toasty, so what they did was they drilled some vent ventilation holes, and the guy put in um, this as a filter so dust doesn't get in, and basically just making it try to run cooler, and I thought that was really cool because... Um, again, these these people, you know, they just see a problem and then they try to fix it. And I'm like, wow, I would have not thought of doing that, you know. <laughs> Man, there's some people who are interested because they're like, oh, I have a 405M and improving hit dis dissipation would be a good thing. So 
this community is, is neat. I, I'm not actively in it because I don't have the funds or the means of getting all this stuff or know-how. I don't have a 3D printer. But just as an observer, it's really cool. Speaking of cool changes, we got user Tom Pratt who made a game switcher for Android. And it's essentially switching between games. It's not perfect. It's a proof of concept. And someone commented here, XK9274, that they shared this with the Onion dev team. So if this could make it onto all Android OSs, that would be pretty darn neat. Having a really nice functional game switcher would make the experience a lot easier. For me, I don't personally use a game switcher as much because I tend to play only one game until I beat it. Yeah, uh, I'm, a, I'm a little bit different in that, you know, uh, I, I'm trying to make a review for a game or I'm only playing one game until I beat it. So uh, it doesn't really apply to me, but I know a lot of people want to have a game switcher. So I think that's a great feature. It was, that's awesome. So many smart people, you know, smart, talented people. All right, this one is from the user, the fog is burning. They're using the MetaQuest 3 as a monitor for the Steam Deck. Oh yeah, this is, um, this is neat. I'm guessing there's pass-through, like the cameras are taking the image from the outside and passing it through the headset and then overlaying the screen here. Uh, it's a very expensive <laughs> solution, but I guess if you have one, that's pretty neat. Okay, this is from user Eli in the Sky. They made a simple snap-on cover. And it looks pretty clean. So you do need the little foam insert that came with your device. This is for the RG35XX. Or you can buy a foam and, uh, you know, make it yourself. But yeah, you can grab the file if you want it yourself. Again, I find it so neat that people are just making stuff. The combination of 3D printing and just tweaking with cheap hardware, it's opening a brand new field for the consumer and I think this is great. I think 3D printers are amazing. I didn't think it would revolutionize, you know, just a hobby so much. Uh, there's another video that I'm going to get to, but, you know, just replacing parts that are really hard to find, you can do it yourself now. This is from user Chichello131, and this is a custom loading screen and boot screen for the R36S. I think it looks super neat. Okay, this one is a neat fix. This is something I didn't really consider or see, but... This is from user Adventurous Candy 401 and they added a lanyard loop on the Mew Mini. But it's a little bit of a different process. So this actually comes with a hand Dremel to, to kind of drill a hole into the device, you know? I was like, I've never seen that before. Like, why would you do this? <laughs> but uh, I think it's neat. It's a new way. So there's two ways to add lanyards. Most of the time it's through the headphone port. And I really don't like that because first of all, you can't use wired headphones. And secondly, it's held there by friction. Um, for most use cases, it should be okay. Cause if it just drops from your hand, it's not gonna, you know, fling the device out. But let's say, you know, there's some amount of force put behind it. It might come off, right? So the other one is to replace the screw on the back with a longer screw, and then it just screws in the back, and that's that's more secure. But yeah, this is this is completely new. I think this is the most secure out of both those methods: drilling a hole and then securing it, attaching it to the inside. I say it does look a little bit cleaner. I I don't like the idea of making a hole in my device still. So yeah. It, it, that, that looks pretty secure. 
Okay, well, now we have a funny post. I see posts like this every once in a while. This is from user Mamerson2023. Any luck with garlic, onion, tomato, pickles, lettuce, whatever. And then they post a handheld. I, I do get a little chuckle every time I, I see it. Oh, oh, what what happened? No, they removed this post. It, oh, okay. I, I will summarize it, but this is from user Let Me Solo Her from the Steam Deck uh, subreddit. And let me tell the story as best as I can remember. It was a very interesting story. But they were this person was going to sell the Steam Deck and they're just waiting in the car in a parking lot. And then some dude snuck up and grabbed it out of the car and ran. And so the guy tried to chase him down, but he was too fast. So called the cops, and uh, you know this this guy actually did a lot of work. This this detective tracked this person down, right? So they went to you know all the places, and there was like a McDonald's where the dude ran into the McDonald's, came out, you know, just like Assassin's Creed flipped the <laughs> flipped the hood, and uh, and then his mom picked him up, apparently. So then, you know, the guy sold it to someone else who sold it to someone else. Long story short, the guy tracked it and then he got it back for the dude and gave it back to him at his workplace. And I was like, that was a wild story. I didn't do justice to the story, but I'm a little disappointed. Very sad now. Okay, now for the channel spotlights. I mentioned this channel before. I thought it was really neat. Macho Nacho Productions on YouTube. And this person... His name is Tito, goes over hardware mods mostly. And the reason why I really like this channel is that the guy gives credit to the people making the mods. You know, if you do a lot of YouTube, people are really, I don't know if lazy is the right word, but they avoid giving credit where credit is due. If you look at my videos, I try to link everything that I use. So not only to credit people, but like to make sure that people can check out where I get my information. Um. Because I, I can make a mistake, you know? Yeah, the guy links uh, all the people who are responsible if possible. Uh, apparently, it's from a guy named Wesk. And they're doing some great work where they're creating high-quality scans of shells and components. And then editing them and cleaning them up so that you can use a 3D printer to print those parts. He commissioned, I think, PCV way to create a Sega Nomad shell. And I was like, wow, this is this is great because i don't want anything lost to time if you really like gaming it doesn't have to be gaming but if you really like anything it's very sad when you lose it to time but yeah i thought that was pretty cool and the guy brings on uh, the people who worked on the mods for an interview and i think that's really cool i rarely see that in other channels but yeah i think that's neat i think it's neat to see people who are very interested and excited about a hobby just come together and just geek out over it together Okay, that's going to be it. Wow, this was a very long episode. Yeah, I think I'm going to make shorter ones from now on. I'm just too tired. <laughs> I made a review on the Mew Mini Plus if you want to check it out. It did pretty well for my channel. My channel has no numbers, you know. No one no one knows who I am. No one cares, and that's the way it should be. But, you know, I'm used to getting like 10 views per video. That one got like, like a thousand, I think. So that's awesome. Um, I do want to make more reviews and more guides and stuff, but... I think I'm going to get a yellow Datafrog SF2000. I saw that and I was like, I need this. <laughs> it's a different color. It was like a yellow green. I was like, oh my God, it's perfect. Um, you know, I do want to get all the all the handhelds, but I just don't have the the financial means to do so. So I'll I'll wait. I'll keep 
making the content that I can and hopefully get to the point where I can cover all the handhelds. But yeah, uh, that's going to be it. I'm so tired. I've been grinding videos for a long time every day for the past few days and affected my sleep schedule and I can feel it in my brain. My memory is not <laughs> all there. I don't know how this video is going to turn out. It's probably going to be unwatchable, but yeah. To everyone who does watch it, thank you so much. I appreciate it. If there's any way I can make it better for you, please feel free to let me know in the comments below. I have some ideas, mainly um, condensing the amount of news items and focusing on ones that people will be more interested in and then have a few items that I'm interested in that no one will be interested in and also do a better job of kind of elaborating on what the news item actually is because I just, the reason why I keep it short is it's, Instead of informing people what's actually happening, it's more like this happened and if you want more info, you can check out more info. That's why I always direct people to other channels that do a way better job than I could ever. Wow, what, <laughs> what did I just say? That's why I direct people to channels that, you know, do a way better job and I can't match the quality of those channels. Like Retro Game Core is awesome, you know? Um... There's a lot of channels that I don't even know exist that do a really good job. So it's way better if I can direct people to channels that are doing a really good job. And I'm kind of more of a curator of sorts, if you will. I'm still going to make my own reviews and stuff because I want to, but it's not going to be the same or as good. Anyways, before I keep rambling, thank you so much for dropping by and watching. I really do appreciate it. And as always, hope you guys are staying safe and seeing out there. And catch you guys next time. Alright, that has been episode 44 of the Ducky O'Brien Show. Thank you so much for dropping by and listening. I really do appreciate it. I was very sleep deprived for this episode. And I'm still a little bit sleep deprived right now. I've been grinding YouTube videos pretty hard. Anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed. If you would like to contact me for any reason, you can feel free to email me at duckyobrienshow at gmail.com. The email is d-u-c-k-y-o-b-r-i-e-n-s-h-o-w at gmail.com. You can also go visit my blog, duckyobrien.com, and that site should have everything linked there. Anyways, thank you once again so much for listening. I do appreciate it. And as always, hope you guys are staying safe and seen out there, and catch you guys next time.